Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is part two of In Our Own Sweet Time. In part one of the story, we heard how Dennis and Karen and their whirlwind romance and heartbreak ended with placing their newborn daughter up for adoption. We left Dennis off to join the army. After a few weeks of training, he is sent to Germany. Karen is set on moving on with her life, and by 1965, she is studying at the University of Minnesota. She is having a normal, quiet evening at home when there's a knock at the door. I opened the door, and here standing in front of me was this smiling face that I recognized. His dimples were, were showing, and he had this twinkle in his eyes. It's Dennis. He is now in his mid-twenties, his blonde hair in a neat crew cut. I recognized him right away as Dennis, and I was so taken aback by his finding me after all those years that I was uh, almost breathless. It just took my breath away to have him standing there. I didn't even know what to say or do. Karen is so overwhelmed by the sight of him, she hardly knows what to do with herself. But she invites him inside, and they talk all night, catching up over glasses of wine. After going their separate ways, Karen had gone back to school, graduated valedictorian, and headed straight to college. None of this is a surprise to Dennis. Dennis, on the other hand, had been pretty lost after having transferred to his new school. He'd been in and out of trouble, so he signed up for the Army. After basic training, he was shipped out to a base in Germany. While he was in the Army, he thought constantly about Karen and the daughter they had given up. He even told some of the fellows in his unit, but they thought the best way to help him move on was to find someone new. Hey, you want to go to Frankfurt tonight? Or, yeah, Frankfurt or Stuttgart in Germany and, and see if we can get some young chick? Just stupid talk. But Dennis wasn't truly interested in anyone but Karen, and she hadn't any time for anyone else. So I was pretty busy between studying and working, that I didn't date much. When Dennis learns that Karen isn't seeing anyone, it's music to his ears. The magic is still sparkling between them. It feels like no time has passed at all. That night, they sit on the floor eating and listening to old records they played as kids. It felt as beautiful and easy as it always had before. The meeting we had was unbelievable. We sat and, and chatted. Like we'd never been apart. Thank you. 
they fall into their old ways and begin seeing each other more. After they've been dating for six months, Dennis has a familiar question for Karen. And he asked me to marry him again. Karen can't help but be shocked by Dennis's proposal. She's still a young, dedicated student. Before Dennis had shown up at her door, her only focus had been finishing college. But Dennis came in like a whirlwind and swept her up. This could be a new beginning for them, so Karen doesn't hesitate to say, yes. After everything they had been through, all the heartache and loss they had felt as teenagers, now, as young adults, they have found each other again. Karen couldn't wait to tell everyone she cared about. When I went home to tell my parents that I was marrying him, I was met with a great deal of disappointment. They kind of frowned and said, you're not marrying him. Well, there was a long pause, and my dad said, you're so close to getting your college degree. So much of their relationship seemed to be repeating itself, and not in a good way. In some sort of cruel deja vu, Karen faces being apart from her love again. Her parents want her to focus on completing her education, and so they give her an ultimatum. Either she finishes college with her financial support, or they'll no longer pay her tuition and she'll be forced to drop out. Karen doesn't feel she has a choice. And I had to tell Dennis that I couldn't marry him. Karen's father and Dennis always had a rocky relationship. Mr. Lehman probably felt frustrated by his inability to protect his daughter from the all-too-familiar story of falling for a popular young man with too much charm. But Dennis didn't want Mr. Lehman to think the worst of him. I don't understand why he didn't like me. One time he said something to me about getting his daughter pregnant, and I said, Mr. Lehman, you know, all due respects, it takes two to tangle. We just got in the back seat of a 1952 Ford and had fun one night during a driving movie. I suppose he didn't like the way I talked to him, but it was just the fact of life. Even though Karen has made her decision not to marry Dennis, she doesn't expect it to lead to a complete breakup. She thought she and Dennis would continue on as boyfriend and girlfriend, but things between them come to an abrupt halt. Dennis is angry and hurt that she chose her education over him. He is led by passion, and Karen is led by practicality, no matter how much her heart races to be with him. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
time stands still for no one, not even the brokenhearted. For Dennis and Karen, years turn to decades, and decades turn to half a century. Yes, you heard me right. Half a century. The year is 2015, and our young lovers are all grown up. It is over 50 years since Dennis and Karen first fell in love in high school and began dating. Over 50 years since Karen unexpectedly fell pregnant as a young teen and found herself having to give up their baby for adoption, ending their relationship. Let's go back to the dinner party where we first met Dennis at the beginning of the last episode. The dinner he's at is a political fundraiser. And as everyone is loosening up with a party game, one of the hosts asks the group a question. If your primary physician gave you 60 days to live, who is one person you'd like to take out to dinner? Automatically, just roll out of, of, out of my heart, I suppose. I said, Karen Lehman. At the dinner table, Dennis faces the reality that Karen Lehman might still be the love of his life. But where is Karen Lehman? The day after the dinner party, Dennis takes the decision to try and find her. Of all the unglamorous places to find love... So then the next day, a friend of mine asked me to join him in LinkedIn. He looks Karen Lehman up on LinkedIn. She's the third one down on the list. The third one. Who would have thought that it could have been so easy? Her profile picture shining out at him, the same deep brown eyes, the same smile that still sets his soul alight even after all these years. He calls up the office. Would you happen to have an employee there named Karen Lehman? She said yes, and my heart skipped a beat. The receptionist at Karen's company won't connect Dennis directly to Karen, so he waits for her to call back. I, I was nervous. I was in my office, and, and I was pacing. I was looking out the window, and I was pacing back and forth. And I, the first thing I said, damn it, call me. You, you got my number. Karen sits in her Washington office and carefully dials Dennis's number, ready to speak to him for the first time in nearly 50 years. I just wanted her to call me, and, and it was just exciting. It really was exciting. Then the first thing she said to me is, uh, How did you find me? After years of wondering where she is and who she might have become, Dennis has finally tracked down Karen Lehman, the love of his life. He doesn't expect the reaction she gives him. And that was uh, kind of a hilarious thing because he said, oh, what happened to, hi, how are you? What have you been doing? Is there any other comment you can make besides how did you find me? Karen's abrupt manners aside, Dennis is excited to hear her voice. They make small talk, and Dennis is so thrilled to have made contact with Karen after so many years that he can hardly believe that he is actually speaking to THE Karen Lehman. But what did their love lives look like now? I found out that he had been divorced for about 15 years, and I had, in the interim, lost my husband. He'd passed away, so I was widowed. 
With Dennis being divorced and Karen, now widowed, they are both single, although living in different states. So then I said, now, where did I fly into? And I told him Seattle. And he said, well, um, I'll fly out tomorrow morning unless I can get a, a flight tonight. And I said, no, 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 no. We have to get reacquainted first. I said, reacquainted? We're acquainted. We have a child together. You know, but people change in 50 years. Karen wants to take it slow, but she's had a whole lifetime without Dennis, and now he comes back into her life like a bull in a china shop. They gradually begin to rebuild from the beginning. Every day, we would talk on the phone or text several times during the day. And every night, we talked about an hour. I didn't tell anybody. It was pretty intense, simply because... I didn't know how this was going to end. All the way through the Christmas season, they talk long distance. Karen, ever cautious, doesn't tell her friends or her family that she is back in contact with Dennis as she is wary of the outcome. But Dennis sees no reason to hold back. He decides that he wants to be with her. I just told her, I said, this is the last holiday we'll ever spend alone. We're going to be together for the rest of our lives. I was living in Washington, and Dennis was living in Minnesota, and Dennis had a business. I had a job. We weren't too sure how that was all going to play out, but we uh, were pretty sure that we wanted to reunite. Karen finally allows him to book his flight to Seattle. I, I was nervous, you know. My legs were going, my knees, I think I heard my knees knocking because I just couldn't wait. The butterflies in Karen's stomach lead the way to Seattle Airport, where she sees Dennis waiting for her. I landed uh, at the Seattle airport on January 20th of 2015, and um, at 8.34 in the evening, I stepped out on a curb, and uh, there she came. She barely manages to put the car in park before rushing to greet him. She jumped out of the car, and she ran around, and she jumps on me, and... And I jumped out of the car and I ran up to him and put my arms around him. I was just so excited to talk to him and hear his voice in person and just couldn't wait to get him in my arms again. I just looked at the face and, and I'll tell you, it was just uh, something that you get to see maybe once in a lifetime. And you see the face and you want to hold that face in your hands and just kiss her and, and uh, hold her uh, like you used to. But now it means more because now your hearts are really touching. I don't know. I had butterflies in my stomach because I was a little bit nervous. And he looked so dapper, just like I remembered him in high school. And I just said, uh, you're home, baby. You're, you're home. A bit cheesy, but loving anyway. <laughs> Before Dennis arrived in Seattle, the two had already planned ahead to get their marriage license just in case everything went well and they could finally make it down the aisle together. Third time lucky, they managed to get Karen's neighbors to be their witnesses, even though they'd only found out about Dennis's existence that very morning. They find a judge to make it official in record time. So he takes our license and our paperwork and he goes through a door and comes back a, and a couple minutes later. All he had done was put a robe on. That was the judge. So he performed this five-minute ceremony, <laughs> and that was, that was our wedding. 
So that was kind of a fun day. 36 hours after meeting again in person, after decades apart, Dennis and Karen are finally married. When we got our wedding pictures, uh, the photographer went to the studio and the lady said, I've never seen two people kiss as much as you guys do. I said, well, we have to make up for 50 years. <laughs> and so the next day... Well, well, what happened? We made love, I'll tell you that. We sat up and we talked and, uh, and we made love and repeat the same thing. Mm-mm. Talk, make love, talk, make love. All those years of searching, yearning, and patience had paid off. They had found each other. And so this could have been the happy ending of Dennis and Karen's story. But there was a piece of them still missing. The baby they'd put up for adoption all those years ago. Their daughter, Denise. That's after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Karen and Dennis have reunited and finally married. They're living the life they always dreamed of. But there's still a huge part of them missing. Their child, Denise. The adoption was considered closed, which means they're not permitted to make contact. But Dennis is as persistent as he is passionate. I said, Karen, maybe we should call Lutheran Social Services and see if we could find Denise. Denise has been on Karen's mind, too. I frequently would think about my daughter, too. You know, I wonder how old she is now. I'd have to stop and figure out the, the date and when she was born. I wonder if, if she looks like Dennis yet, or does she have brown eyes now like mine? But while she is curious to find out more about her daughter, Karen is also wary of making an approach and disrupting Denise's life. And at that time, maybe I felt that it was an invasion of her privacy. But for Dennis, reconnecting with Karen makes anything seem possible. And he doesn't want to give up finding the final pieces to their family puzzle. Karen resists for nearly a year, but eventually, curiosity gets the better of her. I finally said, okay, why don't we just go directly to the source to Lutheran Social Services and see if they can guide us in a way of finding her. 
Though Karen manages to quieten her doubts, social services raise plenty more as they prepare the couple for their journey. Maybe Denise doesn't want to be found. Maybe a fairy tale ending is too much to expect. They, of course, provided all kinds of reasons why we should not find her. Maybe she's not even alive anymore, given the age. But they start the process to find their baby girl, who will be 54 by now. Who and where is she? Is her name still Denise? They're told by the adoption agency that their first step is to write a letter to their daughter. The letter that we wrote was telling her about us, our experience in having to give her up because of our age. Being 15 and 17, we felt that we owed her a better life than we could give her at such a young age. Dennis and Karen's letter reaches their daughter. My hands were just shaking because I'm like, oh, I know what's in here. I know that there's photos of them and I want to see it so bad. And I, But I wanted to read the letter first. So here I am. I'm sitting here crying. And so at the age of 54, I had thought that my window for meeting them was over. Imagine going your entire life without knowing the people who made up your DNA and then being presented with the opportunity to meet them. Denise is in a state of confusion and overcome with anxiety. But after much contemplation, she writes back to her birth parents. Inside the letter that, she, that Denise wrote to us was a, a couple of photographs and the picture of her and a picture that I picked up off the bookcase shelf in our living room of Dennis in his army uniform. There was so much resemblance. I held the two in front of my friend and I said, what do you think? And she said, there is no question that he's her father because <laughs> it was unbelievable. Karen and Dennis have found their daughter. Uh, then we found out her name was Jean Marie. Her adoptive parents renamed her Jean Marie, and she's open to meeting them. This is their child, the missing part of their puzzle. After 50-plus years of waiting, this could be a beginning. My life isn't going to be the same after this. In a matter of minutes, it's going to change. Blonde with twinkling blue eyes and an eternally youthful voice, Jean grew up in a small family in southern Minnesota. Growing up as an adopted child was really seamless. I always have known I was adopted. I got a lot of attention from my parents. Her parents were honest about going to the hospital to choose her, but they also let her know they couldn't have any more children. I don't share a lot about myself. For me to just offer that kind of information, it's not part of my personality. Jean rarely encounters anyone with a similar story of adoption, but she doesn't let her upbringing define her. She married her husband, Andrew, in her 20s and eventually shared her story with him in 1985 after becoming pregnant with the first of their three children. I hadn't mentioned to him that I was adopted until after I had gotten pregnant, and that was kind of a big thing for him. It was Andrew, her husband, who encouraged Jean to look for her birth parents. I don't want to go looking for them. But he kept pushing, and he kept asking. He kept asking questions, and I, I really think this would be good for you, and I think you should come and have lunch with me, and we should talk about it. And I said, 
No, I don't think so. Jean had been content with her life. Maybe she had wanted siblings and a bigger family, but being adopted had not been an obstacle. Yet when her baby arrived, she was forced to think about who she really was. I'm looking down at her and I'm thinking, you're the first person I know with my blood. And it was the day she was born, and I'm thinking, I don't know anybody that has, that shares my blood. Jean also wanted to find out if there'd be any health issues that could impact her newborn in the future. So she reaches out to Lutheran Social Services. They ask her if she'd be happy to open the adoption file, which means learning about her birth parents, Dennis and Karen. I did find out some things that were written in there about health history. There was one other little sentence that struck me, and that was um, she had a slight allergy, allergic reaction to anything with wool in it. This was overwhelming for Jean, because at this moment she felt like she belonged. She shared this uncommon wool allergy with her mother. Here she was, finally connected to someone she had never met. This sparked joy, nervousness, worry, and intrigue. I tried to imagine what my mother would look like. I tried to imagine what my father would look like. I imagined them both with blonde hair and blue eyes and kind of tall. The Lutheran Social Services asked Jean if she wanted to contact her birth parents. I said no right away. At this time, Jean wasn't ready for a meeting, but she kept a copy of the file notes just in case. Let's move ahead to 2016, which is a pivotal year for her. Her adoptive mother passes away, her daughters have moved out for college, and as she adjusts to her empty nest, she has feelings of loneliness and loss. Andrew was a great support during this time, and we had decided to go on a trip up to the northern part of Minnesota. Right before we left on this little trip, a letter arrived in the mail. It's from the adoption agency. Her birth parents are looking for her. Did she want to get in touch with them? Well, it's complicated. When Jean was 18 years old, her adoptive mother left her father and moved out of town. Jean felt like she had been abandoned all over again. Her adoptive mother, like her birth parents, had left her behind. The thought of meeting them raised those fears of abandonment all over again. But after encouragement from her husband and daughters, Jean decides to move forward. She contacts the agency and they pass on a letter from Karen and Dennis. Alongside the letter were some photos. I'm reading this letter over and over and over again and I'm like, okay, now it's time to open up the the packet and, and look at the photos. And I open it up and I pull it out. And the first one is the picture of the two of them together the day that they had gotten married. And I was like, I just, an, another fresh wave just kind of falls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I look like somebody. I definitely was on a roller coaster ride because there would be a part of me that says, yes, this is so exciting and we're going to do this. And then there's another part of me that is, wait a second, do I, do I really want to do this? But she decides she does want to do this. She wants to meet Karen and Dennis. 
Vibrating with nerves, Jean arranges for them to meet at a neutral ground. The Lutheran Social Services offices. And this was my decision because I decided that I wanted to have a counselor with us. It was kind of a rainy day on May 31st when we were scheduled to meet with our daughter and her husband. Andrew and I got there first. We met with the counselor. We got there about a half an hour early, and we had planned it that way so that she could just kind of talk to me and tell me a little bit about how other reunions go. Dennis and Karen are naturally nervous to meet Jean. It could be the first and last time they see her, or could it be the beginning of something new? We were sitting at a table, and then she said, your birth parents are here. Are you ready? And I said, yes. I walked in the door and saw Jean sitting there. Her face, facial features were exactly like Dennis. I couldn't believe the close resemblance. I had never looked like anybody and seeing two people right in front of my nose where I could actually see that I was a combination of the two was overwhelming. As soon as we walked in the room, it was just all tears and hugs and kisses, and the, the social worker even started to cry. There were goosebumps all over my arms, all over my whole body. We were all very huggy and holding and crying and there was a sense of contentment. We didn't want the morning to end. They reminisce over old photos. Dennis shares pictures of him in his uniform, recalling his time in the military. They share stories about each of their separate lives, their past marriages, the lives they led without each other, and then they share their own love story and the journey it took to find each other again. That two hours was probably the fastest two hours of my whole entire life. You put a puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle together and there's one piece missing out of the box. One tiny little piece. And you look all over the place for it and you can't find it. Finally, you find it behind a chair because it had fallen. And you take that piece of puzzle and you put it in there and it's like, boom, I'm done. <laughs> That's what it feels like. They are finally together, Karen, Dennis, and Jean. It only took 50 years, but no time could take away this moment. After that first meeting, we decided that uh, we were going to get together and meet uh, the rest of her family. Karen and Dennis decide to actually move closer to Jean so that they can spend more time together. I think that's how we've been able to maintain and build a relationship with each other. She comes over to our house or we, or we go out there. Dennis and Karen still act like teenagers in love and listen to the songs that were the soundtrack of the blossoming romance. Dancing, slow music in the kitchen. Karen has very little on. <laughs> <laughs> we just have fun, even at our age. 
slow dancing in the kitchen with very little on. It's beautiful. I felt so happy for them that they were together after all these years. Uh, 60 years ago, I didn't know what love was. Today, I know what love is. I mean, she's just, just wonderful. And uh, that's what we have. Our love for each other is just undescribable. It's this huge love story, because it's all about love. That's what this whole story is all about. It's completely about love. And to me, it's like, isn't that brilliant? Isn't that like wonderful to have this incredible experience of life? We started off together at 12 and 14, and we'll end up together, hopefully, at 96 and 94. <laughs> this is where we leave them, but their lives together will continue. A family immersed in the endurance of love having found each other in their own sweet time. I'm Tay Diggs, and this has been You Had Me at Hello. If you have an incredible love story, please reach out to us at lovestories@sonymusic.com. We'd love to hear it. You Had Me at Hello is a Sony Music Entertainment production. It's hosted by me, Tay Diggs. The producers were Dave Anderson and Jaja Muhammad. The junior producer is Martha Miller. The production coordinators are E.K. Egbatola and Lily Hamley. Peggy Sutton is a story editor. It was written by Nicole Perkins and the production team. Al Siona Mick composed the original music. The sound designer is Tom Drew. Isis Thompson, Louisa Field, and Tay Diggs are the executive producers. Special thanks to Jez Nelson, Chris Skinner, and Julia Stevenson. <laughs>